Hello, and welcome to the Sports Loft Podcast, where we talk about the intersection of technology with the sports, media, and entertainment world. Today, we're going to have a conversation about a fantastic partnership with one of our member companies. We're going to be talking to Spalk and to the NFL. If you do like what you hear, please like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Head to our website, sportsloft.co, and sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the podcast links as well as a lot of news and updates on a weekly basis. And follow us on social at sportsloft.hq. So we're here today to discuss the collaboration between NFL and Spalk. I think most of you listening will have heard of the NFL. It's quite ubiquitous. Uh, You may not have heard of Spalk, so look forward to exploring how that partnership helps the NFL to grow its audience and to find new fan bases and to discuss remote production and the opportunities that it allows. So before we get going, just want to introduce the two fantastic guests that we have on. Uh, Really looking forward to this conversation. I'll start with Samson Mayle. He's the Senior Manager of Direct Consumer at the National Football League. And today, I am responsibly told, is not only has made an appearance on the Sportsloft podcast, but has made an appearance on any podcast. So, Samson, thank you very much for joining us for your maiden appearance, and welcome to the Sportsloft podcast. Yeah, thank you, Yanni. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Great conversation ahead. We also have Tom Reed, who's the Chief Commercial Officer at our Sportsloft member company, Spock. Tom, welcome to the Sportsloft Podcast. Good to have you back. Thanks, Yanni. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, listen, I'll give you guys a chance to sort of set the scene a little bit and um, uh, talk about uh, who you are and what you do before we dive into this partnership so that people can understand why it's such a key component of each of your businesses. Um, I'll start with you, Samson. I think we don't really need to introduce the NFL. I think anybody listening to this hopefully knows what the National Football League is. But tell us what direct-to-consumer is and what you do on a day-to-day basis. So it's a good question. I specifically oversee our global you know, subscription and digital products with a specific focus on, on our international market. So pretty much everything outside of the U.S. is is what my remit entails. I'm tasked with kind of heading up that side of the business for the NFL and specifically overseeing our go-to-market and our uh, our product strategy across those subscription and digital products, and and that can include everything from, you know, marketing strategy, business development to partnerships, uh, including the one that that we've had historically with Spalk over the last two years, and all of that is that that's pretty central to that strategy and to that product ecosystem is is Game Pass International, which is uh, the core subscription product and streaming platform that the NFL has and offers direct to consumer to our international fans in 200 countries around the world. So in a, in a nutshell, I oversee, you know, global product strategy and, and partnerships for the NFL. And in that context, there's been a pretty big announcement recently about um, Game Pass International and how that's going to progress. So look forward to diving into that. We'll park that for one second. Tom, tell us about Spark. Tell us about what you do on a day-to-day basis and a little bit about the partnership with the NFL. So in a nutshell, I mean, we help sports organizations to localize their content to target international audiences. Uh, and we do that through our core product, which we call our virtual commentary studio that allows commentators to broadcast events from home using only a laptop, home internet connection, consumer grade hardware, microphone headset, which we can then mix, mux, perfectly synchronize and then distribute it to wherever it needs to go, whether it be into linear TV workflows, OTT, streaming services or, or radio. Um, on top of that, we have a suite of managed services that complement our technology. 
uh, such as a in-house broadcast services team. So if you don't have a production team to manage your audio and your commentary yourself, uh, we have a team that can do that. Uh, and then also what we believe to be the world's largest talent marketplace of freelance commentators, uh, which we can make available to to any of our clients. So with the NFL specifically, I mean, they needed Japanese, they needed Spanish commentators. So we were able to provide that, that talent as well as our um, our technology and, and broadcast services team as well. And with the NFL specifically, with the agreement um, actually came to be through through Sportsloft, through um, a couple of a couple of meetings that we had with Delta Trey and and two circles, um, we're, we were able to then sort of start working with the NFL through through those two parties. Um, and where for the last few seasons we've provided localized content for NFL Game Pass in Spanish, um, Japanese, and previously German as well to be able to help the NFL to grow their audiences and engage their, their fan bases within those markets. And Samson, speaking about that international growth, obviously one of the big flagship um, efforts around that internationalization are the international games. You've had games in London, games in Latin America, in Central America, you've had games in Germany most recently. So that's a very visible way that uh, the NFL is pushing. But how does direct-to-consumer fit within that overall strategy of growing the fan base and connecting with the international fan base outside of the live events? I think if we're thinking high-level or more macro of what NFL International is, is tasked with as a business, we've got sort of three priorities that we always think about. One of those would be growing global fandom for the NFL and the sport of American football. The next would be growing and deepening fan engagement, specifically with the NFL as a sports brand. And then the third would be, you know, growing the game itself overall and increasing the players and, and talent pipeline that, that we get going into the league specifically. Hmm. So direct consumer really ties um, <laughs> directly uh, into two of those three goals, right? So, you know, direct consumer is, is pretty critical for us and, and the products within that for us to, you know, help grow that global fandom for the NFL and also, you know, deepen fan engagement that we've got with fans that already exist out there, you know, outside of the US. It's, you know, again, a pretty important piece uh, to the overall fan puzzle that we're trying to crack as a league internationally, but it's just sort of one cog in the overall wheel of our NFL international group where there's a lot of interdependencies on, you know, other parts of the business as well, like our broadcaster relationships and the work that uh, our events team does with, you know, some of the games that we play in, in London, Germany. Uh, Mexico, as you mentioned, and as well, you know, a lot of the top of the funnel focus that our international marketing group has as well. So it's definitely a wide ecosystem, but direct consumer, you know, is a pretty vital role in in two of our three, you know, long term priorities as a league and as a NFL international business. Mm. And and from a practical perspective, what shape does that take? Because you obviously have Game Pass, which is the direct consumer OTT streaming platform. What, what other initiatives do you have either already in place or sort of on the boil that you look to be able to engage directly with fan bases in different countries outside of the US? I could break it down into sort of three key buckets that make up our direct consumer business. So, you know, the one that we keep talking about, which is the flagship of that business is, you know, Game Pass International, the you know subscription and streaming product. Uh, that we offer currently in, you know, roughly 200 countries around the world. But the other two buckets, one of them would be international free-to-play games. So we partner with uh, Genius Sports to, you know, have them essentially develop the back end and front end of those products. And then 
you know, the NFL really is able to utilize those as an asset that drives directly back to growing fan engagement or deepening fan engagement with, with our fans outside of the U.S. The third bucket that we've really began to place much more of a focus on is what I would call our O&O platforms. So that would be, you know, NFL.com, NFL app, Fantasy. Those products are, you know, developed by our team uh, and my counterparts out of the LA office, out of NFL Media. And they are really right now centrally developed, globally pushed products that are not necessarily localized even in our core markets. And really what we're doing right now and some of the work that I'm contributing to and helping oversee is really trying to re-strategize how we think about those platforms and specifically how we, we implement a platform localization strategy across those properties. So those are really kind of the three main buckets. It's subscription products, it's free-to-play games, and then it's our, our engine-operated platforms. And Tom, you guys are really hyper-focused on delivering localized content. And I love the story of how Spock was born around, you know, some, some uh, <laughs> having a few beers and wanting to commentate on some uh, international rugby matches. Talk to us a little bit about in helping the NFL with their direct consumer proposition and being able to hyper-localize that and being able to offer them different languages uh, in, their, uh, in their stream. How important have you found that localization to be? And I asked that question sort of with a little bit of a, of a personal anecdote. I grew up as a, as, as, as a fan of many, many sports uh, in, in uh, Greece and in Luxembourg. But I clearly remember watching the NBA waking up at 3 a.m. to watch NBA games live on Canal Plus and listening to Georges Eddy, uh, who is the, the classic NBA commentator in France, talking about construire des briques avec uh, des maisons avec toutes les briques. So building, building houses with all the bricks that he's throwing up. Um, and, and that was something that really made it very, very relevant for me uh, and sort of cemented my lifelong fandom. So uh, in, in a world where people have access to content in multiple languages at all times, how much more relevant is it to be able to have it in their local language and be able to engage with it directly? Yeah, so I think um, when talking specifically about uh, NFL, with the NFL Game Pass is very much like a bottom of the funnel product where um, you know the, the local rights deals and the local broadcast deals, are the, I'm, I'm probably speaking a little bit on behalf of the NFL here, which I shouldn't be. I'm speaking as, as like an, an, analyzing it a little bit here too. Um, uh, they, they're very much sort of top of funnel there to get people in the top of the funnel and, um, and sort of really, um, engage them and then grow them into fans where they will then subscribe to NFL game pass. So we sort of see our responsibility from a commentary perspective to really satisfy that hardcore fan in those specific markets. So we try and personalize our commentary to make sure that it is really targeted towards that, that it's more of an advanced commentary than, than what the, the local broadcaster might be providing to make sure that it is satisfying the, and adding value to the, the local fan in that language for their experience. And then sort of looking at our, our other partnerships that we have around the world, we really look at you know what the partner is, whether it is a, a direct-to-consumer um, paid-for product or if it is uh, a local broadcast that we're working with, and then really try and tailor our commentary to to, to who is listening and and, and who what who the fan is that they're trying to target um, for the specific sport for the specific market. Is it to bring people into a sport or is it to satisfy the existing fan base? Can I ask a stupid question? Of course. So. Is American English, British English, 
Australian Kiwi English, are those all sort of considered different? Because thinking about it from a uh, uh, from a fan standpoint, I know that when I'm watching Premier League in the US, for example, the studio show might be different, but largely the commentators are British because they kind of, you know, it brings that, that audience. Similarly, when you're watching NBA or NFL here, it's, it's American audience. Has, has anybody actually done a study? Is there anything that sort of suggests that um, having a local commentator uh, would make any amount of difference? Uh, yes. I mean, you only have to, to, to look at social media during specific broadcasts and, uh, you know, you'll see a, um, a Spanish, a, a Spanish person from Spain might not enjoy listening to a Spanish person from Mexico commentating about their specific event and, and back and forth. And, um, we actually have some partners where, uh, specifically, uh, TSN who we worked with th throughout the, um, throughout the, the, the World Cup, where we provided 21 different languages for them um, for specific audiences inside of, of Canada. But we would have, uh, you know, an Argentinian Spanish speaker do all the Argentina games, a Mexican Spanish speaker do all the Mexican games, and a Spanish Spanish speaker do all the Mexican games to so that they could hyper target those those audiences there and um, and the engagement, the the cut through, and the the, the goodwill from the fans was. Um, Know, significantly higher than um, than if it was just you're just catering for them with their language, but their their own dialect and their own people who are speaking the language the way that they speak is also um, super important too. Hmm. So, Samson, what made you look to uh, start using Spark and the services that they offer in terms of hyper targeting that that audience and being able to engage an audience from a different country using their local language in the commentary? Historically, the Game Pass product has been, at least when we think about the live content, it has historically been an English language product. Over the last, you know, six or seven years, we've we've localized, you know, what I would say is like the UX or UI of the product in six different languages, you know, five of those being non-English. But really, you know, we've candidly lagged getting to market within the product in, you know, producing localized versions of, of live games, especially. So, you know, again, going back to, you know, what we're tasked with in terms of how do we deepen fan engagement? How do we also grow NFL fandom overall? There's, there's two paths that you can think about localized live content tying specifically back to those goals. So you could either be producing, you know, localized live games in Spanish, as, as Tom mentioned, as an example, specifically to cater more towards less avid fans in a market. So you know, maybe it's a it's a broadcast that has a more educational tone of voice that is in, you know, Spanish language for Spanish speaking territories and fans. And that helps, you know, develop fans that are maybe moving from top of the funnel down to mid, down to down to bottom, uh, and really deepening that avidity. Mm. Um, you can also think about localization as another example, you know, that that Tom mentioned, which is really trying to uh cater towards those more avid fans. So you you could potentially get commentators on board again using Spanish as the example that that are a bit more tenured in the in the space of the NFL. Their tone of voice could be, you know, less educational not to, you know, ostracize uh, avid fans and really have it be sort of 
uh, a go-to spot for you know Spanish-speaking fan to either tap into uh, a broadcast of of their native language or you know go English and go to the original broadcast and really just have that optionality as as an avid fan, which is you know what we're used to in the U.S. If we think about the NFL and and uh, what the NFL does domestically, there is a ton of optionality across broadcasters. There's a ton of optionality across talent that's broadcasting those games, and then within those broadcasters, there's like you know, everybody besides Fox has a streaming product on the streaming product. There's different streams, there's different alternative casts. So it's really just trying to go in that direction when we think about avid fans. So you can either basically use localization historically now on Game Pass powered by Spalk to achieve either of those two options. And that's really what we've been playing around with the last two years is trying to find both the sweet spot for you know, live game production, but then also uh, understand where the opportunity lies greater. Is it is it, you know, catering more towards those top or mid funnel fans and generating stickiness? Or is it really giving that optionality to to avid ones that are on platform already? And what has worked better in that sense in terms of not not just localization, but I guess in that sense, it's more personalization, right? You're 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 going after a different um, uh, level of fan in each location in the same language. What I mean, I'm sure it's market by market, so this is probably way too big a question. But what has been particularly helpful in that approach? To oversimplify it, like the way we can think about it is just like one is an acquisition play and one is a retention play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I think they both have worked well. I think something that we specifically tested and experimented with this year was was more again, what I would call like an alt cast. So think like a Manning cast or, um, you, you know, Amazon Prime Video in the US uh, for TNF, they're producing uh, alt cast like Prime Vision. There's the Nickelodeon one that is also, you know, a pretty popular one. Uh, we started experimenting with that, getting, you know, picture in picture, talent on screen, trying to gear the broadcast in a localized way towards those more top of the funnel or, or mid funnel fans. Uh, but it also became relevant for, for avid ones as well that again, you know, are, are open to optionality and, and checking out something that's a little bit more relaxed in nature than, than just sort of like the, the original, you know, American feed that they're used to on the product. So I think, you know, this past year specifically, we saw a lot of upside in that more acquisition realm. And, you know, obviously it's, it's hard to say right now in terms of like how that is netted out uh, from a retention perspective, but we definitely saw in, in a lot of our Spanish speaking markets, I know I keep coming back to that language and that example specifically, but we saw in a lot of our Spanish speaking markets that, that it did drive, you know, acquisition for us. Hmm. And Tom, what are you, what are you guys seeing from that perspective in terms of requests from rights holders uh, in, in the in the sense of localization and then diving even further into personalization of uh, individual streams? We're seeing that all all the time. I mean, the NFL as a sport, and, and especially ESPN with the Manning casters, uh, really captured something there that. Um, has sort of found a way, especially for broadcasters, to um, not only satisfy their existing audiences, but to try and increase their share. Like um, we're seeing a, a lot of alternative broadcasts, whether it be you know betting specific broadcasts or um, uh, use, utilizing influences on feeds. It's just becoming more and more prevalent that people are looking to try and create more alternative broadcasts to um, to satisfy existing fan bases and then grow it too. 
it's it's fascinating, isn't it? How people uh, how people start to approach that. But uh, I'm curious about this. You guys work together on a small event called the Super Bowl. Uh, I think most people have probably heard of that. It's obviously it's getting bigger and bigger every year as, as one of the flagship annual events obviously drives some of the biggest audiences globally uh, on a regular basis. Talk to us a little bit about how this year's Super Bowl went, how many languages was it actually cast in, how did this partnership really come alive in terms of, of, of producing that? Uh, and, and I'm particularly interested because I know, Samson, you guys did a lot in terms of doing um, very different things around this Super Bowl. For example, there's the really popular content of the hearing impaired uh, interpreter giving it everything during Rihanna's performance, which was really amazing. But I know that you guys worked on a lot of things uh, around the languages and the personalization and the um, uh, localization as well. So really interested to hear how that went and what the plan is building up to next season and next year's Super Bowl. Yeah, so for for Super Bowl on on Game Pass, you know, Spalk was able to produce for us, you know, both Spanish language and Japanese. Japanese is a really interesting one. It's it's a it's a market that we consider, you know, a growth and emerging market for the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're sort of placing a lot of focus on that market specifically uh, right now as a business, kind of restrategizing the restrategizing the way we think about it, just trying to understand you know, the market better and, and, and what type of content or, you know, how can the NFL just connect with fans better uh, mm-hmm. overall there? I'm, I'm bringing that up as an example as, as, you know, tying it back to Super Bowl because, you know, Spalk, this was the second year that they produced uh, Japanese broadcasts on Game Pass for us. And, you know, this year specifically, you know, we saw a pretty significant increase in viewership specifically on that Japanese broadcast on, on Game Pass. Um, I, I don't know if I can give you know specific numbers away, but, but I think significant is, is the best way to put it, where it was, you know, it was triple digit uh, percentage growth year on year. Wow. Uh, when when we're looking at when we're looking at viewership. So that was a that was a wild success for us and it, it, it really then you know becomes an integral piece into that overall sort of you know, market research, call it, uh, initiative that, that we're conducting as a business for that market. So it really is not just a vital piece in the direct consumer puzzle, but it's a vital piece to the, to the you know, NFL international business overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the other, the other one that, that is, is major as well is Spanish. Right now we're, we're figuring out as a business, you know, how do we um, not just place focus on, Mexico, Spain, and I know it's not Spanish language predominantly, but Brazil, how do we not just focus on those three countries? And if we're thinking about Central and South America, how do we really, you know, start developing a stronger brand footprint across that entire region uh, and not just limit ourselves and not just limit, you know, fans and what they have access to. So again, you know, Spalk um, and our localized live game production powered by them, uh, the last two seasons has been very, very critical in in you know how we continue to to go to market in some of these countries. Mm. Out of curiosity, why not German? So, German, we we did um, not this you know past season twenty twenty two, but the one before twenty twenty one, and um, you know to be completely honest, I think it underperformed against expectations. And I don't think that was due to, 
you, you know, anything quality related or, or, you know, logistic or, or tech related. I think it's really that Germany as a market for the NFL is one that is very developed. Um, we, you know, if we're thinking about that season in that season, our, our main broadcast partner there was, was ProSieben. Um, so, you know, one of the biggest free to air partners in that market. Um, on top of that, you know, DAZN has been a live games rights holder uh, for us there for a couple of seasons. Um, they do a really fantastic job in, in producing German language content as well. They also have a German language localized version of Red Zone. Um, and then on top of that, they have Bundesliga rights. So mm. for, for the NFL um, and Game Pass specifically, you know, all of a sudden coming to market with, with a German language broadcast, those fans already have a ton of optionality in where they can get German language, you know, broadcast from or German language NFL content from. Um, and so I think it's just, you know, they're specifically a bit more saturated when we think about localized content that's being produced. And so that's why we, we sort of pivoted off that market and focused more specifically um, on LATAM, on Spain, and and mm. on Japan. Tom, d just sort of piggybacking off of that and in terms of the languages, uh, I've spoken to, to, to you guys several times on, on different platforms, but I've never asked this question. Which language is the most requested? Is it Spanish? Uh, it's a great question. It would probably be, if you take English out of it, because uh, we do do a lot of English, especially for, you know, at the high school amateur level, then in world feeds um, right i would probably say spanish mm -hmm. would be our most requested followed by followed by german and, and mandarin huh. yeah the other the other thing that i'll say that i that i left off the table there in my in my long-winded uh <laughs> response so apologies guys i'm gonna keep talking go for it you know the the other thing about germany is uh the um of the english english language is also very high hmm comparative to to LATAM markets or comparative to to Japan. Um, so that was another factor in, in that market. The avidity is high. English uh, fluency is high. So fans that are on the Game Pass platform, if we're just even removing, you know, Perceiven or our new free to air partner, their RTL uh, and a zone fans that are on the Game Pass platform already. Um, the avidity is high. They're used to the American broadcast. That's likely why they're on Game Pass. Um, and because they also are very fluent in English, you know, a German language broadcast for us just may not be the the, the right play. Um, so again, you know, really nothing to do with with Spalk specifically. It was and and it ended up being a very great learning process for us. Um, that, you know, if you talked to me two years ago, I wouldn't have had all these things as, as sort of a, uh, a response. My, my, my response would have been a lot less insightful. Um, but now coming out of that, we, we were able to really, you know, understand the market better and what type of content resonates and what doesn't. And to, to sort of piggyback on top of that, sorry, Yanni, but, um, when looking at, you know, an advanced market like Germany versus, uh, you know, markets like LATAM, 
um, which are um, which are more developing markets um, for the for the NFL. I mean, outside of Mexico, which is which is already a huge market. Um, they're the sweet spots where we feel that we can really add value to um, to sports leagues and rights holders um, is helping grow audiences in those markets and moving from being like a, a cost center to helping them increase the value of their rights or sell their sell their rights in those specific markets um, by being able to have that. Um, you know, lower the cost of, of adding local language commentary into into broadcasts for those markets. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Which leads me to another question, actually, uh, and the creation of stars or other um, uh, other aspects of the funnel that can help generate fandom, right? And uh, Samson, what you said about German fans having a high level of English fluency. Um, and therefore wanting to watch the American broadcast because the American broadcasters become familiar to them, right? Like I, I, I couldn't imagine uh, watching an NBA broadcast and, you know, not having Mike Breen and, you know, or, or uh, Van Gundy or similarly an NFL broadcast, Al Michaels or, you know, John Madden as then was in my, in my uh, younger days. Um, to what extent are you seeing... Um, individual language or separate language commentators start to drive um, fan base. For example, here in the UK, uh, we're seeing, uh, you know, the likes of Neil Reynolds, who was the longtime studio anchor for uh, the NFL show, becoming quite a driver of NFL's popularity and, uh, and an explainer. And he started his own content agency as well, pushing the growth of the NFL. How are you looking at that in terms of working and identifying talent that can become flag bearers for uh, the international growth of the NFL? So I, I, I mentioned, you know, the broader sort of international ecosystem that direct consumer sits within. Um, you know, we view ourselves as an international business very much as like a one team mentality. Everything that direct consumer does um, you know, has impact on the broader ecosystem of marketing or um, top of funnel fan engagement or broadcaster uh, relationships and their own individual strategy and vice versa. And so we understand that, you know, again, our media partners, our broadcasters abroad play a very vital role in, in developing fandom for us. Um, so the example you gave of Neil Reynolds, uh, you know, you could give a similar one in the UK with with Jason Bell and Osi, who are are becoming you know stars, um, uh, and kind of as you put it, flag bearers Absolutely. for for the sport of the NFL and American football. And in the case of Osi, he's doing that not just in the UK, but but in our sort of emerging market of Africa as well. Mm -hmm. The team that that I specifically sit on is is the international media team, and and my direct counterparts are those that are um, focusing specifically on, uh, you know, developing those partnerships with broadcasters. Um, and so their focus is, you know, within that, it's you know everybody always thinks the NFL or sports leagues, it's it's all about money. It's all about revenue. It's all about who, you know who's going to write the biggest check. And for us internationally, it's it's really not about that. It's about what is you know who is going to be the best strategic partner for us in achieving our long term goals of growing fandom, growing the sport, and deepening uh, engagement. And so um, yeah, I mean a long winded way of basically just saying that like that is 
top of mind in every single partnership consideration that we have, whether that is direct to consumer or with broadcasters. And again, you know, we we recognize and, and appreciate the um, the growth that those broadcasters drive, especially you know, um, if they are, you know, a, a free to air platform or a free to air channel in, in a certain market. And Tom, you guys, uh, as you said, part of your job is finding these um, uh, commentators in, uh, in a variety of different languages. Uh, how do you approach the finding of that talent, the identification of that talent, and then positioning them to become those potential representatives, flag bearers for the rights holders that you work with in their uh, domestic countries or domestic languages? Yeah, so we um, we have some pretty strict criteria when it comes to commentators who, who we want to work with and have our partners utilize. Um, number one, they already have to be a professional commentator who are working with a local broadcaster or um, or, or have previously and have, have quite a few years experience. Damn, that rules me out there. <laughs> um, or, um, or we also for, and this is sort of like on, on, on the side, not, not really for our, our um, sort of blue chip partners. We also work and work with a lot of colleges and, and high schools within the US to help the next generation of commentators really develop their skills so that they can then one day be a part of our marketplace or move on to, to the ESPNs or NBC Sports of the world. So yeah, we, we, we sort of strictly really work with a lot of local broadcasters to, to, to identify their talent and, and help their talent to, to be able to offer them other opportunities. Um, so that's, that's, that's one thing that we do. And then we'll, we'll provide those to our, um, to our, to our broadcast partners. But from the, the NFL specifically, I think one of the really smart things that we did this year when, you know, when talking about identifying um, uh, and, and growing sort of local influences is we engage quite a lot of the NFL's um, existing uh, talent that they use across their, their owned and operated platforms. Um, so in window NFL, we, we utilize a lot of their fantasy influences, uh, writers and other on air talent uh, who the audiences within LATAM and, and within Mexico and Spain are already used to seeing those people and already have a relationship with them. And we brought them into a lot of our broadcasts this year rather than um, you know, two years ago, mm. we were using a lot of US-based play-by-play and, and, and analyst commentators who were, they might've been doing the 1 p.m. They might've been doing the, the Jets game and then they would do the, 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 the game after um, with us. Whereas this year we, we brought in a lot more influences to sort of help um, uh, and, and people who those audiences were already quite a lot of, of knowledge with to help drive the broadcast and, and really grow that um, uh, and, and, and really sort of, you know, drive that connection. Hmm. And so, Samson, we, we alluded to this a little bit. What's, what's next for Game Pass uh, on the international front? There's, uh, there's obviously been a recent announcement, which I'll, I'll let you sort of get into in a bit more detail. But what, what, what sort of changes are you making and what can international NFL fans um, expect to see? in terms of the growth of the platform? Yeah, so I mean, the the sort of headline news is um, our newest partnership with DAZN on Game Pass International that we struck and announced, you know, literally just a couple of days before Super Bowl, we were we were in Phoenix when when the partnership uh, got inked. You know, that's that's going to definitely fundamentally change the way in which, you know, the product of Game Pass specifically goes to market in in the you know 200 or so countries I mentioned we're we're currently live in. I think there's a lot of detail that that we're still ironing out because again the you know the partnership is so fresh but the intention and the expectation is that we launch, you know, Game Pass on DAZN's platforms uh, ahead of the 2023 season that's upcoming. I think 
there's definitely a ton of opportunity that is out there for the NFL uh, in the direct consumer space, just generally. You know, we're confident that the zone is going to help us capture that opportunity by way of, you know, the, the broad-based distribution model that they currently already have set up. So they've got, you know, a ton of distribution partnerships outside of, you know, just operating their service on their own, op, you know, owned and operated platforms like DAZN.com or DAZN app that, that Game Pass will feed into. So it really will be able to get Game Pass and by way of that NFL content and live games in front of uh, the widest reaching audience as possible. They've also got, you know, what we think is best in class product and marketing capabilities that is going to help us not only just deliver a, a better fan experience uh, to our subscribers, but but also, again, make sure that we're um, bringing as many fans in the door as possible to interact with that content and that experience. And then uh, on top of that, uh, they also have a lot of capabilities that that we're you know going to um, continuously explore in the next couple of months with with Spalk with with them uh, in terms of improving or increasing the volume of localized content that we have. So again, you know, really the intention in in the partnership is is to create a better fan experience and and also. You know, again, just just try to get the NFL on on sports fans' radars uh, internationally. And the the last thing that I'll say about them is, you know, they're 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 a multi-sport OTT product offering already. Um, so if we go back to the to the example of of Germany, uh, which is a huge market for us, they've got Bundesliga rights, and so you know now mm-hmm. Game Pass and NFL content doesn't just sit within its own. Uh, sort of product environment uh, where it's it's just strictly NFL content. That NFL content is now positioned directly next to you know some of the other biggest sports rights in the world uh, and ones that you know fans care the most about in certain markets. So uh, you know that's going to be that's going to be huge for us and is you know a pretty big strategic win for for all parties that you know a fan in Germany can go on the design platform and. There's a tile of, you know, Bayern Munich playing uh, whatever match they've got on for the day on that Sunday next to, you know, the Rams uh, and their live game that's that's kicking off or has already kicked off. I mean, I think it just unlocks the capability to capture a lot of that opportunity that 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 we've talked about. Awesome. And Tom, what would you really like to be working on with the NFL over the next uh, over the next few years as they roll out this further international Game Pass solution? Yeah, I guess just wherever they need us. We really like, uh, one of the things that we like about uh, our partnership with the NFL to date is just, has just been uh, their willingness to experiment things, to, to try new things, to um, to explore new markets. So just to sort of, yeah, continue to help help them out if there's any other markets that they that they want, want to test out or anything like that, That's uh, or any other different products like, Picture in picture, which we which we did a lot of this year, as as I know Samson mentioned earlier, just yet yeah, to continue continue to, to to try new things and help them help them with their their international growth and development. Awesome. If, if you notice, Tom has lost some hair after this season. It's because of <laughs> us asking a lot of experimental questions that <laughs> that uh, that has placed a lot of pressure on him and his team. But um, yeah, it, I mean. It, We've been able to do a lot of that experimentation that 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 Tom uh, just mentioned. You know, all joking aside, you know, thanks thanks to them uh, and their 
you know, both capability, but also willingness to, to dive into the deep end on, on some of those things with us. Um, a, a story for another day is uh, not just picture in picture, but, you know, trying to um, uh, produce a live broadcast from Estadio Azteca uh, in Mexico City for the, for the Mexico game this past uh, November, which we did. Um, and, and we launched it. Is available on Game Pass, still is uh, for fans, but um, a very funny behind-the-scenes story. Like I said, probably for another time. Uh, <laughs> for, oh wow! For you're, leaving us, you're leaving us hanging there. No, surely, surely you got to go through this now. <laughs> it's uh, stay tuned for part two. <laughs> yeah, which which we'll have to record from a pub or something. All right, <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a plan because it it, re- it requires a drink. That's a, that sounds like a great plan. Listen, we'll close like we always do by uh, asking for your favorite sporting moment from last week. Um, uh, I am slightly nervous about this because I know exactly what is not your favorite sporting moment from last week, uh, but I'll let you expand on that. Personally, as an Arsenal fan, obviously the, uh, the, the, the Reese goal in the last, uh, in the last oh, minute was, was, was pretty incredible. I'm already hearing the groans from, uh, <laughs> from Samson, but... Yeah, what was what was your favorite sporting moment from uh, from this past week, Samson? I mean, you just really had to rub salt in the wound there, because um, <laughs> uh, what we were talking about before before we clicked record that was definitely not my favorite sports moment of the week was uh, was Liverpool's pounding of of Man U on Sunday. Um, my family is 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 from Manchester, so we're we are generation uh, long you know, fans of, of United. So that, that was not a, not a fun one. Um, I'll leave it there. But uh, what my favorite sort of uh, sports moment of the week, which I guess dovetails into to what I'm looking forward to this week, um, San Diego State, my alma mater, uh, finished the season the other day uh, or, or, or the regular season the other day, um, top of uh, we'll call it the table to, to put it in international terms, top of the table in the mountain West conference. Uh, they're the one seed going into their, their playoff tournament, top 25, you know, ranked team in the nation. So um, feeling confident they'll, they'll be able over the next week to, to get into March madness and, and the NCAA tourney. So feeling good uh, about that. Go Aztecs. Go Aztecs. All right, Tom, what was yours? So I'm going to get niche here. Um, so anyone who knows me, pe- 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 people who, who know me uh, know that I'm a massive alpine skiing fan. Um, there's not many of us out there, especially in English, in English speaking countries. But uh, this last this last week, the World Cup tour uh, was in uh, Aspen for the first time in, I think, six years. Um, and Marco Odomat, who's arguably the best male skier in the world right now, uh, secured his first Super G Globe, so it was cool to see him um, in a run here in in the US. That is that is that is a, a really famous, really popular ski run here. Just absolutely dominate it and take out his first uh, Super G title. For anyone who doesn't know Marco Odomat, um, ask your Swiss friends. He's probably the only he's the only Swiss person who um, can rival Roger Federer in popularity over there at the moment. 
Yeah, you're bringing back memories of Pyramid Sur bringing, but uh, we'll 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 talk about that <laughs> another time. By the way, for the li- for, for the listeners at home who who, who can't see, um, not only is Tom's hairline quite robust and and, and strong, um, uh, but he's also got a pair of skis behind him, so he very much embodies the uh, the message that he just delivered. Anyhow, um, that brings us uh, that concludes our uh, our time for today. Want to say a huge thank you to uh, our two guests. So, uh, Samson from the NFL, thank you very much for joining us on the Sports Off podcast. No, thank you, Yanni. This was fun. Um, we're gonna have to do it again for sure. Absolutely, look forward to doing that with a few beers and to hearing that story. Uh, and congratulations on the Maiden podcast. And Tom Reed from Spock, thank you also for joining. Great to have you on. Thanks for having me. Great to chat, guys. Awesome. Well, once again, if you guys liked what you heard, make sure to give us a like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Visit our website, sportsloft.co, and sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social at Sportsloft HQ. All that remains for me is to say a huge thank you again to our guests and to say see you again soon in the Sportsloft. Goodbye. Goodbye.